Hi, I'm Dr. Saurav Arora and you're listening to podcast on health, homeopathy and research. And today's podcast is an important and really useful podcast because this is for the first time that research updates homeopathy which is an e-journal under initiative to promote research in homeopathy. It is presented to you as a podcast issue also. The first study which we are referring here is the complexity of the homeopathic healing response part 1 the role of body as a complex adaptive system in similium indicated recovery from disease the background says that the concepts of the complex system science enhance the understanding of how people develop and recover from disease this is true the system of the human body is a complex system we need to develop that understanding so that we can understand the recovery from the disease the living system that is human beings animals and plants are self organizing complex adaptive system that is they are interconnected networks this system maintain life by initiating and carrying out non linear dynamical changes to optimize survival fitness and functions in the context of an ever changing environment imagine if it is a linear thing things would be very easier but since it's a complex thing it's a non linear dynamic changes which are happening in the body if you talk of health if you talk of disease if you talk of cure so now in this paper what author did they related the concepts from complex system science to homeopathic healing The systemic changes of homeopathic healing involve adaptive patterns of responses to salient signals that we call a similia for reversing disease patterns and generating emergent multi-system healing over time. So it's an observational part. It's an observational part how the complex system would be involved in the adaptive pattern of the responses whenever you give a medicine to a patient obviously there is a response there is an adaptive response there is a pattern so un- to understand that pattern you need to understand that system and you need to understand the kind of stimuli that is being given to the patient that is homeopathy after their work the author concluded that the body as a complex system has the capacity for self organization emergence and self similarity over global and local level of organization if we talk of global that is overall health and well being and the local as organ both should be healthy it is not that our organ is healthy we are ill it should be the both the things should be healthy at peace with the health we as a global system should have the similarity and as a local level of organization should be healthy as well now the observation the features they found they are the key for the future research on systemic healing that involves organization and that evolves over time during individualized homeopathic treatment you can very well understand that if you're if you're able to learn a system if you're able to learn how the adaptive system of systems are growing and how the homeopathy can work on these adaptive systems by learning their patterns the modus operandi of homeopathy would be 
an easier key to explain homeopathy now this paper was also continued as part 2 also in which in part 1 the author reviewed relevant concepts from the complex adaptive system in part 2 the author discussed the complex system nature of homeopathic medicines the aim was to relate the evidence on the nature and properties of homeopathic medicine to the complex system model for homeopathic healing so one part is understanding second part is understanding when homeopathy is applied into that system what homeopathy actually consists of it's a dynamic dilated medicines potentized medicines that so that potentization that dynamicity has certain action on the organisms on the human systems on the living organisms so they concluded that every homeopathic medicine is a complex nanoscale system involving multi pel interconnected interacting components and emerging properties similium individualization derives from formation of a unique personalized protein corona shell absorbed to the reactive surface so basically they tell you about how homeopathy has capability of affecting that organization affecting that local and global organization we talk just few seconds back and that is the key of key to future research to understand the nature of homeopathic medicines and the systemic healing it is not the local healing it is the systemic healing how these complex adaptive stimuli and patterns are interconnected to each other and how they receive homeopathic medicines and pushes an organism to recovery health and cure moving to the next study which was published in the journal of asthma with the title that evaluation of the efficacy of isopathic immunotherapy in the treatment of allergic asthma and bulb mice now this isopathic immunotherapy also called the isopathy is a part of homeopathy at certain places not the homeopathy itself but yes in at certain situation this isopathic therapy is used as homeopathy now in this current study the authors evaluated the efficacy of isopathic immunotherapy with highly diluted ova albumin that is they called as hdova in the treatment of ova induced allergic asthma now this ova was induced to induce the asthma and this was given in the highly diluted form just to see the isopathic immunotherapy responses which is similar at that level so they concluded that the isopathic immunotherapy significantly reduced lung tissue inflammation now what whatever it is causing that has the property to reduce it the number of eosinophils in the bronchial alveolar fluid allergen specific ige and interleukin 4 production were affected it also insignificantly increased the production and transforming growth factor beta and proliferation of regulatory t cells against the allergen so allergen and the same allergen given in the highly diluted form so this isopathic immunotherapy may be a good candidate for the treatment of allergic asthma now this is something which is the beauty of homeopathy to convert the same material into a therapeutic material the disease matter can be converted into a 
therapeutic matter. The next study is the study which is published in homeopathy, the famous homeopathic journal, homeopathy in the May 2020 issue with the title dilution induces physico-chemical changes of metal oxide nanoparticles due to homeopathic preparation steps of trituration and succussion. For years together this step, trituration and succussion, the potentization has been challenged. And although the presence of starting materials in extreme dilution of homeopathic medicine have been established, the physico-chemical properties, the changes of these materials induced by the process of potentization is still to be known. It is still unknown. So what author did, they subjected the cupric oxide and zinc oxide nanoparticles to the homeopathic process of trituration and succussion followed by dilution of up to 6 CH. Now this 6 CH is 1 by 10 raised to power 6. So particle image velocimetry was employed to analyze the fluid motion during succussion and its effect on the nanoparticles. Now obviously you are giving strong jerks in succussion. So there must be some turbulence, some energy dissipation so these were these were studied in that study the resulting microstructural and chemical changes at different dilution step were determined by x-ray photoelectron spectroscopy the fourier transform infrared spectroscopy and transmission electron microscopy the succussion as expected triggered multi-sized bubble generation and turbulent fluid motion up to duration of 400 millisecond with a maximum average velocity of 0.23 meter per second now due to 1% transfer of kinetic energy from a moving body with its velocity upon collision the rate of temperature changes in a particle size of 1 micrometer and 1 nanometer was predicted the result showed that the nanoparticles sustained significant rate of temperature change due to energy transfer from moving eddies during succussion. This succussion is able to make a change in as a part of the energy transfer. Different physical chemical changes such as size reduction, successive reduction and oxidation of nanoparticles the morphological changes were achieved through trituration and succussion and the retention of nanoparticles within the cross-linked polysiloxane chains reveals the importance of both the borosilicate glass vial and the ethanol solution during preparation of the homeopathic medicine. So gone were the days when the potentization was subjected to criticism. It is a pivotal role to understand how energy is transferred from a medicine to a vehicle to an organism and it actually can create the energy transfer there the turbulence transfer of heat changes in the morphology of the nanoparticles all these things can be done and obviously the further research is undergoing in this area at various levels The next study is of our favorite remedy for injuries, the Arnica Montana. 
fibronectin gene upregulation by Arnica Montana in human macrophages that is validation by real-time polymerase chain reaction assay, a study published in journal Homeopathy in August issue of 2020. Now, we all know Arnica is a popular traditional medicine. It's used for its therapeutic properties in healing traumas. But little is known about its biological action on tissue formation and repair. Clinically, it is used. But its biological action, the specific action on tissue formation and repair is yet to be understood fully. Now, this new work tested the effects of Arnica Montana dilutions on human macrophages, which are key cells in the tissue defense and repair. So the macrophages were derived from uh, THP1 cell line and they were differentiated with interleukin-4 to induce a wound-like phenotype. And they were treated with the various dilutions of Arnica in centesimal dilutions such as 2C, 3C, 5C, 9C and 15C. And, obviously, and also the control solvent for 24 hours. Now the conclusion says that the result support evidence that the extracellular matrix is a potential therapeutic target of Arnica Montana with positive effects on cell additions and migration during tissue development and healing. Now this study has added one more evidence to the use of Arnica Montana in injuries. It's a favorite and common remedies of a homeopath, an average homeopath, a successful homeopath, a budding homeopath. But when the studies like this, they add to the scientificity of the tissue regeneration and the action on the extracellular matrix, it surely adds up to the more clinical usage of Arnica Montana as a remedy for injuries. The next study we talk of is the effect of IDM30C in experimental visceral leishmaniasis. Now, leishmaniasis is one of the several neglected tropical diseases. And there is a demand for their treatment, especially in the countries where the socio-economic strata is low. And the people are suffering with this very frequently. So, as we know that complementary or traditional medicines, they can be a good option. With an added advantage that resistance may not develop against these drugs. So, the present investigation was performed to evaluate the anti-leishmanial efficacy of an ultra-diluted homeopathic medicine that is our favorite remedy, item, and in visceral leishmaniasis in mice. So, they were injected with the Donovani promasticots to induce the leishmaniasis and the treatment were subjected as item 30C and alcohol 30C as a control. The anti-leishmanial efficacy was assessed by determining the hepatic parasite load and analyzing the percentages of CD4 and CD8 plus T cells. Now it showed a significant reduction in parasite load in the item treated animals and no toxicity was observed. So although the original study has shown that item 30C had significant impact 
in controlling the parasite replication though effect was little less but it is always better to have some effect than no effect the next study is published in homeopathy 2020 july issue that says the preparation and standardization of e coli no sowed sourced from select e coli strains now no sods are well known preparations for a homeopath that are sourced from the organisms and diseased materials and we have more than 40 known no sods that have been used in homeopathic practice for over decades and centuries now this study they the author have tried to develop the e coli strain they were identified cultured and tested these no sods have been prepared but the clinical evaluation is required for their future use the next study is from one of my favorite areas that is the characterization of nanoparticles and the potencies so this study the characterization of nanoparticles in 2x 4x and 6x potencies of ferrum phosphoricum this is published in the alternative therapies in health and medicine now we know nanomedicine is a rapidly expanding field because nanoparticles have been identified in homeopathic dilutions too they are small in size they have large surface areas their compliance the biocompliance is more they have permeability solubility and bioavailability so the trituration technique we used in the preparation of certain homeopathic remedies is similar to some process used to manufacture the nanoparticles because of the trituration we are we are making the size of the particle small smaller and smallest the new research has confirmed the presence of nanoparticles in medicines yes dr ballari's experiment way back in 2010 and majority of these studies use transmission electron microscopy alone or in combination with the other methods now this study intended to evaluate the use efficacy and application of five characterization techniques for investigating the presence of and size of nanoparticles in ferrum force in 2x 4x and 6x potencies the study analyzed all these potencies of ferrum phosphoricum using uv vis spectroscopy ftir that is fourier transform infrared spectroscopy and dls dynamic light scattering and certain procedures were performed and all the procedures confirmed the presence of ferrum phosphoricum nanoparticles and nanofibers for all three potencies so all these techniques which have been used in study they show the presence of the nanoparticles in these potencies further research in these high dilution area is warranted because of the limitation of these techniques and to know the in-depth of the nanoparticles their application the next study we are referring to is the effects of highly diluted drugs on experimental infection with Prepanosoma cruzi that, that was a systematic review the author searched all the scientific publications in the databases such as PubMed Web of Science Scopus and Google Scholar from year 2000 to 2018 and this review brings out the importance of Trypanosoma cruzi infection model as a reliable and valid model for studying different effects of highly diluted drugs. 
Considering the findings and a broader perspective, this study contributes to considering these drugs as a possible way of dealing with the treatment in general. It presents the need to re-examine the biochemical model and to develop a model for the effect of high dilutions in journal as well as the treatment of the parasitic infection so this review is important although there may be some negative findings some positive finding but research is always about accepting the challenges which have been left before this study was published in the journal of alternative and complementary medicine in june issue Moving to the next study that is characterization of antimonium crudum activity using solvatochromic dyes. This is published in homeopathy May 2020 issue and the objective of this study was to compare the biological effects of antimonium crudum with now measurable physical chemical effects. On different dilutions of antimonium crude and succussed water that was a good point there they took the succussed water they have been characterized with respect to their own visible spectra of solvatochromic dyes. Okay, so the, the data confirms a correspondence between the biological effects of antimonium crudum in vitro and the physicochemical effects of this drug on solvatochromic dyes as measured by the changes in the visible spectra. So the results indicate the high dilutions of antimonium crude are sensitive to exposure to electric currents and biological system. Now in this issue we are discussing all these aspects. Now this is one more addition to the aspect that yes, research is now growing in each and every field of homeopathy. Moving to the next study that is published in homeopathy August issue, the interaction between the solvatochromic dyes and water sampled from a natural source treated with high dilution of phosphorus. I found this study quite interesting. The study aimed at ascertaining whether a succussed high dilution of phosphorus seeded into a natural water source that fed a jaw and two connected lakes could propagate itself through the lake system. So the samples of water were collected before and after seeding at different times and places throughout the lake system and controls compromised water taken from untreated and adjacent but independent lake. So a lake study, good, nice. The study indicates that the activity associated with phosphorus 30 can propagate itself through large volumes of water, causing changes throughout a whole connected lake system and that these changes can be tracked using solvatochromic dyes. This in turn means the use of homeopathic medicine in large volumes of drinking water in farming ecological contexts now has the potential to be assessed with the physical chemical monitoring. So coming to the basic philosophy, yes, we do use dilution with the vehicle irrespective of the dilution the medicines they do hold their biological actions quite interesting moving to the next study that is in vitro assessment of homeopathic potencies of hydrastis on hormone dependent and independent breast cancer that was published in july issue of homeopathy journal 
Now, we know that breast cancer is the second leading cause of cancer-related deaths in women in the world. So, conventional treatments such as chemotherapy, hormonal therapy, and radiotherapy, they have decreased the mortality, but they also reveal certain side effects. This study, it used different homeopathic potencies of hydrasters. It was conducted to distinguish between any effects they might have on the hormone-dependent and independent breast cancer. The author assessed the cytotoxic activity and effects of the hydrasters on two breast cancer cells using viability and colony forming assay the part of, as part of research and they used various potencies of hydrasters not only the Q they used 1st centesimal, 2nd centesimal, 30th centesimal and 200 centesimal. They concluded that hydrasters may have a selective cytotoxic effect against hormone-dependent breast cancer cells, that is MCF7 cells, leading to a cell cycle arrest in the G0 and G1 phase, which could be possible reason for the induction of apoptosis. Now, this result obviously needs to be validated in vivo. This one is in vitro. But it is the initiation of the research that we must undertake and carry on with rigorous models. I'm moving to the next study that is verification of nuclear magnetic resonance characterization of traditionally homeopathically manufactured metal that is cuprum metallicum and plant that is gelsemium medicines and controls. So it's a verification of NMR technique. It was published in the homeopathy issue on July issue. The purpose of this study was to verify whether specific NMR relaxation time could be measured in full lines of the centesimal dilutions. So they took two remedies. One is from metal and one is from plant. So they concluded that they have evidence of an obvious retention of a specific magnetic resonance signal with this when a substance is diluted or potentized in pure water. This means the homeopathic solution cannot be considered as pure water. They are different. This O2, this oxygen is a covariant and not an explanatory variable. So this factor itself is too weak to explain the NMR signal specificities in the potentized sample. So the dilutions may thus have a specific material configuration governed not only by the potentized substance but also by the chemical nature of the container. Now this area of research is being looked upon since decades. I know a couple of studies from 80s even and 90s when this technique was used and till date it has been used, it is being used to undertake such kind of studies, which is need of the hour. One more interesting study I uh, came across that is the daily consumption of a homeopathic product decreases intestinal damage and stool bacterial counts in mice challenged with Escherichia coli. Published in Microbiology and Pathology 2020 May issue. 
E. coli is a bacterium which is normally found in our GIT tract but some factors such as high exposure, stress conditions, animal category can favor the exaggeration of E. coli and cause of disease. So the study objective was to determine whether administration of a prophylactic homeopathic in water would minimize the negative effects of E. coli infection as well as reducing bacterial counts in the feces of an experimental model. So they took 40 mice, they were divided into experimental groups and negative control and positive control for better comparison. So the total bacterial count, total coliforms count, E. coli counts were lower in group T1, that is treatment group. And they were higher in the negative control and positive control on days 40 and 54. So in two groups, the treatment one group, treatment two groups, they were low. So this data suggests something that homeopathic agents in drinking water can improve health by raising immunity against infections. Next study, the super continuum generation in water doped with homeopathic medicines published in International Journal of High Dilution Research. Now the authors carried out systematic studies to investigate the effect of supercontinuum generation in water using 40 FS laser pulses when doped with homeopathic medicines. So they performed the studies using 5 series of medication at different dilution level. That is they used 10 to 30th dilution and 10 to 100,000 dilution. So the observation they in they indicated the observations that the yield of supercontinuum generation in water containing homeopathic medicine is significantly different from that obtained in water containing plain alcohol. This, this we were discussing just few seconds before. That it is not only the biological action, it is the chemical arrangement of the dilutions. So this measurement for different dilutions shows up to seven times standard deviation variation in the yield of supercontinuum generation. Even though the linear absorption in the UV visible region does not show any significant difference for different homeopathic medicine, the supercontinuum yield which depends on the effective non-linear refractory index changes with different samples. So it means there are certain changes which are being adopted by these dilutions, certain physical chemical changes which we can assess to better understand the natures of these dilution. There's one more study which was also published in the International Journal of High Dilution Research that is the influence of ultra high diluted compounds on the growth and the metabolites of Oriza sativa. Now this Oriza sativa rise, we all know. So the authors studied the effects of the ultra high dilutions, the homeopathic dilutions on the rise the physi physiological and biochemical variation. The ultra-high dilutions of calendula and arnica were used in 28 experiments. And they concluded that compared to placebo, these ultra-high dilutions have 
statistically validated affecting the rice germination and seedling growth. Also, they can affect the stress condition caused by the sterilization process, seedling entrance into the light and their transition into hydroponic culture medium. So the use of ultra high dilution leads to increase in the production of chlorophyll as well as carbohydrate and protein content. So it, it in a way it is improving the health of the plant. Moving to the next study that is evaluation of anti-hyperglycemic potential of homeopathic medicines insulinum, pancreatinum and uranium nitricum in a streptojotocin induced diabetic rat. Obviously, the diabetes is a global emerging endocrine and metabolic disorder. And homeopathy, on the other hand, is a science of ultramolecular doses. So, is there any correlation with this? The homeopathic medicines are prepared from various sources. But in this study, they took insulinum, pancreatinum, and uranium nitricum, which are commonly and clinically used for diabetes mellitus but there is lacking there is a lack of any preclinical studies so they took these remedies in 60 dilution factor to examine the anti hyperglycemic effects in streptojotocin induced diabetic rat and after 28 days of treatment they took body weight metallurgy biochemistry which contained all the important parameters such as glucose, urea, creatinine, etc. Oral glucose tolerance test and also the HPA1C that is glycated hemoglobin with histopathology of liver, kidney and pancreas. After streptojotocin induction, the animal have shown significant increase in the fasting blood glucose level. And the oral tolerance the total protein, the cholesterol, all were altered. Treatment with the homeopathic medicines, insulinum, pancreatinum, and uranium nitricum in 6C potency showed significant decrease in the levels of glucose, total protein, ALP, cholesterol, SGPT, SGOT, urea, and even glycated HP. So this study, it showed the positive effects of these remedies in tackling the diabetic conditions. This was published in the International Journal of High Dilution Research. Moving to our next study that is extreme dilutions of mercuric chloride produce longer binding interaction with amylase as compared to blank solvent. Published in the International Journal of High Dilution Research. High and ultra-low doses of mercury chloride modulate the amylase-starch interaction. So, to see whether the mother tincture and ultra-high dilutions of mercury chloride could directly act on the amylase without intervention on its substrate starch, and to see whether the mother tincture and ultra-high dilution produced longer binding interaction with the amylase than the control this study was undertaken. The authors concluded that mercurius corrosivus that is homeopathic remedies merc, merc, homeopathic remedy merc core 
and potencies produce exactly the opposite reaction at the protein binding site. The reaction was short-lived and with water control and blank ethanol would prolong the Merkur action and potencies. So the Merkur 200 and 1000 potencies produce highest heat changes during interaction with the amylase as compared to the blank solvent. So with this we are winding this section 1 that dealt with the updates on the research and fundamental aspect the biological and the physical chemical research. Now we are moving to some studies which were published in the other field that is for example we are going to talk about clinical research. The first study was published in the complementary medicine and research 2020 issue July. The development of a prognostic factor prediction model in patients with the musculoskeletal pain treated with homeopathy. That is an individual patient data matter analysis of three randomized clinical trials. Prognostic factor research methodology has not yet applied to randomized clinical trial of homeopathic medicine. Some people they are using it but officially that has not been applied. The prognostic factor research methodology. So to investigate the principle of individualization in homeopathy by developing a prognostic factor prediction model, the author started working on this idea. So a pooled individual patient data was taken of three randomized trials. Investigating the efficacy of homeopathic gel and rustox in osteoarthritis of knee and acute low back pain. The prognostic value of a predefined set of five typical Rustox symptoms were investigated by assessing treatment by symptom interaction on pain as an outcome measure in the regression model. So basically, they you you're predicting something on the basis of prognosis. So the data consisted of 284 patient data, and it was concluded that investigation aspects of treatment individualization in homeopathy using randomized trial data and standard meta-analysis technique is possible the symptom emulation by local heat is of possible value as homeopathic symptom predicting an increased likelihood of pain relief following treatment with the homeopathic product bit complex but very easy to understand that if we can develop a prognostic model for future and if we are treating a patient with homeopathy we can predict this model we can adopt this model how the case would turn in our patients the next study in the clinical research row is the individualized homeopathic medicines in chronic rhinosinusitis that is a randomized double blind placebo controlled trial published in homeopathy August issue now this RCT that two double blind is a good thing so the chronic rhinosinusitis is a common disorder it is actually a common disorder with an estimated 134 million Indian sufferers alone and having an impact on quality of life and health costs so a double blind randomized placebo controlled preliminary trial was conducted with 
62 patients at the National Institute of Homeopathy that's in West Bengal, India. And the questionnaires were used that is the sinonasal outcome tests, not 20, with the secondary outcomes with the EQ5D 5L questionnaire. All these questionnaires were used and the groups were comparable at the baseline. The authors concluded that there was a small but non-significant direction of effect favoring homeopathy, which ultimately renders the trial as inconclusive. Now there's a point, at least they tried. There was an effect, but that was small effect. So we cannot straight away reject the, the study that this doesn't work. It means that more rigorous studies with a larger number of people are required so that this small effect can be translated into a generality of a big effect. Next, we move on to the recommendations for designing, conducting and reporting observational studies in homeopathy published in Homeopathy August 2020 issue. Now, the RCTs are considered to be the gold standard in clinical research. They have the highest importance in the hierarchical system of the evidence-based medicine. But from the viewpoint of the decision makers, due to lower external validity, practical results of efficacy research, they're not in line with the huge investments that are made over decades on these RCTs. So there are certain other research design we need to undertake. And yes, observational study is one of the good design. So the authors conducted a narrow narrative review with a special focus on homeopathy and present the recommendations for designing, conducting and reporting the observational studies in homeopathy and provide recommendation to complement this strobe statement for homeopathic observational study. We should undertake these kind of research because RCT, yes, it's a gold standard, but it cannot be conducted everywhere. But the observational studies, the pilot studies, case records, case series, they can be easily undertaken at different level. Next, we move on to a study that is outcomes and effects of homeopathic treatment of malaria in Kenya, published in the International Journal of High Dilution Research. Now, in Kenya, we know that malaria is a leading cause of illness and death. And homeopathy is used for many years to treat this disease. There was a previous study in Ghana in 1996 that showed the comparable effects of homeopathy and chloroquinine. So in this study, they took the three studies that documented the homeopathic treatment in the retrospective qualitative study and then a prospective single arm study and a comparison between one cohort receiving the homeopathic treatment The authors concluded that homeopathy can be used as a valuable option when other treatments are ineffective by microbial resistance, when they are not indicated, such as in pregnancy, and when the, the patient's treatment is financially not affordable. So there is a limitation for using the homeopathy in regions where the malaria is fulminant. 
Moving to the next study titled The Need of Multidisciplinary Research Within the History and Theory of Homeopathy. Now, the controversial issue of homeopathy scientificity will in all probability not be settled by means of clinical trials alone. We need to have multidisciplinary research in each and every area in at for studying each and every aspect, be it clinical research or the case studies or the fundamental research. The clinical trials are not at all sufficient alone. So there must be some standard, there must be some studies which should be done in each and every area of homeopathy. Moving further, a review was published with the title A Review of Preclinical Research on the Effects of Photodynamic Therapies and Homeopathic Medicines on Cancer Cells, published in the Alternative Therapies in Health and Medicine. In the context that cancer occurs as a consequence of the dysregulation of genes during cell division. The homeopathic remedies they claim to have affecting the genes including tumor necrosis factor alpha that is TNF and BCL2 thereby stimulating the cancer cell death. This study was intended to examine and summarize the latest finding in preclinical in vitro and in vivo studies on the mechanism of homeopathy and PGT in the cancer therapy. The PGT is photodynamic therapy. So the results concluded that both homeopathy and PGT demonstrate the antineoplastic effects. That's a good thing, but more research is needed to be conducted. As I said earlier also, research is not something that we can grow overnight. We need to have research over decades on on single aspect to understand the depth. So now this aspect is more important. This aspect is challenging. So we must undertake research on cancer cell lines, how they are acting, how they are affecting the apoptosis. Moving to the next study, one more study on the review that is Hydra headed coronavirus implications of COVID-19 for homeopathy. Now, because successful homeopathic prescriptions are based on careful individualization of symptoms. This was published in Homeopathy 2020 August issue. The ongoing COVID-19 pandemic was represented first as severe acute respiratory illness, but eventually a dramatic complications have set in. So it is expected that over the time it would be revealed as a complex systematic disease with manifestation derived from the viral induced inflammation. So this study was basically a review what homeopathy implications can be there on the COVID-19 because homeopathy may have a ro relevant role to play because majority of the cases they present from mild to moderate and then less severe and that's because homeopathy is being used as a constitutional and individualized mode of treatments this may have a pivotal role in combating this COVID-19 situation. Moving to our next section that refers to the case records 
the first case record which is enlisted in the current issue of research update is the experience of an Italian public homeopathic clinic during COVID-19 epidemic. So it's a basically their experience of combating this disease in clinic. So this during this epidemic in Italy, the hospital outpatient clinic progressively decreased their activities. So they were in March 2020, they were closed except for the emergencies. During this period, the activities of the public homeopathy outpatient clinic of Luca, it aimed at guaranteeing therapeutic continuity to patients by means of telephone and video consultations. In March, the Complementary Medicine Working Group participated in the organization of a mission of COVID-19 Chinese expert for the online training of professionals working in Tuscan healthcare system. The medical staff of the Luca Clinic also cooperated in this health surveillance of infected patients at home. So this basically was an experience of using homeopathy in such troublesome and challenges, challenging situation. I have ke kept this article in the case report because it is not, it has not taken shape of a clinical research yet. The next case titled my best case homeopathic management of adverse effect of tamoxifen published in homeopathy in June 2020 issue. A patient suffering from side effects of tamoxifen was seen in consultation every two months for 10 months by a senior homeopathic doctor and a registrar. The case analysis and repertorization led to identification of pulsatilla as a simulimum of this remedy and they also used the tamoxifen 7C as etiological treatment, as a nosodic treatment. This treatment resulted in a rapid and lasting improvement of all the symptoms. So this combination of a homeopathic medicine and the heteroisotherapic illustrate both the principle of similarity and identical. It has proved to be an excellent response to the side effects of tamoxifen. So by enhancing the patient's quality of life, this combined approach also improved adherence to the existing treatment. Let me tell you, it was not a replacement treatment. It was an add-on treatment. Moving further, two case reports of integrated management of antibiotic resistance urinary tract infection published in homeopathy in May 2020 issue. UTIs are very frequent in women. So this intervention for each of two women with resistant UTI was integrated treatment with a non-conventional and tailor-made homeopathy regimen addressing multiple level of disease simultaneously for the prevention of the recurrence and as well as for the treatment. So the addition of homeopathy was effective so it was concluded that it can be effective approach in integrated management of antibiotic resistance are UTIs. So controlled research on this topic is warranted. But yes, there is an option for using homeopathy as add-on in such situation where there is 
resistance. Moving to our next case that is Thalapsi Bursa Pastoris in the treatment of urinary stone, a case series. The urinary stones are most common cause of acute urethral obstruction. And this remedy, the homeopathic medicine Thalapsi Bursa Pastoris TBP, it has many symptoms similar to the typical symptoms of urolithiasis. Yet its clinical usefulness is yet to be fully documented. Although it's a very commonly and clinically used remedy, but the documentation of the clinical usefulness is yet to be well documented, well reported. So in this study, the clinical symptoms of each of the five patients along with the ultrasonographic evidence were taken for the assessment of the outcome. Thalapsi bursa pastoris was prescribed in potency 30C and or 200C to each patient on the basis of the main symptom, typically dysuria, retention of the urine and hematuria. And each case was followed for up to six months. That's a good follow-up. There was full recovery of all five patients and post-treatment ultrasonography showed no calculi remaining. So this remedy was observed to be effective in eliminating the renal stone with a short span of time and without any complications. Moving further to a case, pituitary microadenoma treated with individualized homeopathic remedy published in Homeopathy, August 2020 issue. The case study describes a case of the functional lectotroph microadenoma with history of failed surgical treatment and heavy intracellular hemorrhage occurring during the surgery. Phosphorus was prescribed as an individualized medicine on the basis of symptom that is hemorrhagic complications during surgical procedure and aggravation of headache thereafter. There was a marked subjective improvement along with complete tumor regression as evidenced by the repeat magnetic resonance image scans. So author concluded that this case reconfirms the association between between increased frequency of headaches and pituitary hemorrhage among case of lactotroph adenoma. It also suggests the individual homeopathic treatment may be helpful in pituitary adenomas with increased risk of complications such as intracellular hemorrhage which was observed in this case and which was eventually managed well with homeopathy. Moving to the next session that is on veterinary, the study titles Effects of a Homeopathic Medication on Clinical Signs of Canine Atopic Dermatitis. The objective of the study enlists that a commercially available medication containing homeopathic ingredient showed first sign of success in atopic dermatitis in dogs. The aim of this case series was to evaluate the effects of the preparation in a large number of dogs with atopic dermatitis. So 10 atopic dogs received the oral homeopathic combination preparation daily for three weeks. 
the diagnosis of atopic dermatitis was made by the medical history clinical examination and exclusion of the differential diagnosis skin infections such as with the bacteria and yeast were excluded by the clinical examination there were no significant changes in the lesion score pruritus score and coat quality over the duration of treatment only one patient showed a slight improvement in itching and coat quality no side effects were observed not a positive thing but yes research is not always about positive things so in this case series the tested homeopathic preparation did not show a positive effect on the clinical signs maybe it was a combination I, we don't know but yes the research is not always showing the positive thing but a challenge so we should keep on doing this kind of research even at our own clinics in veterinary so that the use of homeopathy in veterinary can be refined and can be established moving to the next study the angiolytic activity of ultra diluted aconite napalazone vister rats so anxiety disorders are highly prevalent that affect millions of people worldwide and homeopathy is famous to use as anti anxiety therapy also so this objective of this study was to test the efficacy of aconite on the experimental anxiety models of rats so 18 female vister rats were divided into control anxiety and anxiety plus aconite groups it was observed that the aconite treated group had more number of entries and also the percentage of time spent in the open arm was higher than the stressed anxiety group so it was inferred that the ultra diluted homeopathic aconite has decreased the anxiety in vister rat which were subjected to acute restrain stress moving to the next session that is on drug proving the study published was a qualitative investigation of provers experience of participation in homeopathic pathogenic trial published in homeopathy august 2020 issue this is important to know the experience of the participants not always their symptom but their experience because proving is not something which is done as a numerical research it is something a subjective research something objective research a part objective so the qualitative study aimed to explore the lived experience of participation in homeopathic pathogenic trial it is hoped that the result of this study will shape the future conduct of hpts so semi structured interviews were conducted in person by phone or via skype according to the interviewee's preference and eight former provers were interviewed from across the european union and australia it was concluded that the former provers who participated in the study reported enthusiasm for and trust in proving process i myself have has done drug proving on myself when i was a student in a homeopathic medical college 
So in this study, however, some reported adverse event which varied in intensity and duration, but they were non-specific. The process of gaining fully informed consent for participation is a complex and there were example of both failures and inadequacy in terms of informed consent and support mechanism. This is a real time challenge. It happens with the drip grooming. So the researcher recommend that the homeopathic pathogenic trials are subjected to ethical approval processes and that consent is fully informed and ongoing. Okay, so this study is not the end, it is the start. We should have such kind of studies to study the mindset to the frame of the mind which a prover has at the time of proving a remedy because this can also impact the outcome, the symptom given by the provers to the master. The further section is on survey. So there are quite a couple of surveys which are usually published in each and every issue of uh, a homeopathic journal. So this survey published in the International Journal of High Dilution Research, an online cross-sectional survey on knowledge, attitude, practices and perspective of homeopathic practitioner towards COVID-19. This is an important survey. So an online cross-sectional survey was undertaken in the midst of the epidemic in India. The 10 knowledge questions were scored and analyzed to identify differences with the socio-demographic variables. And out of 3901 responses, 3595 were included for the analysis. That's a decent number, not very good, but yes, decent number. So it was concluded that the homeopathic physician have largely been able to maintain a high level of currency of knowledge. We are well informed purely on their own accord. Specific aspects related to the patient care and practices need to be further enhanced. Practitioners affirm that homeopathic medicines need to be validated on a group of patients before mass treatment or prevention can be identified for which immediate access to the patient is required. We need to have access to the patient who is suffering with the COVID so that we can ourselves go and treat that patient to observe the things. It's not a trial, but it, it's a need of the hour because at in this situation, everyone should be allowed to treat a patient to save his life, to improve his immunity, quality of life, maybe alone or as add-on or in combination as a holistic treatment module so with this the issue of the research update homeopathy is concluded and i hope you would have liked this new feature of converting the research updates into podcast because this is need of the hour we should have such such kind of interactions at this level also that people are listening to the research and they are feeling motivated, they are feeling challenged and they are ready to accept these challenges for the benefit of research, for the benefit of homeopathy. So I would request your feedback, comments, criticism. If you want to add certain new features to this research update, do let me know. Just go on to the website researchinhomeopathy.org, write to me, visit my website, 
talk to me on phone and just let me know your thoughts in this so with this have a nice day ahead see you soon